Welcome to Couch Buddies. I'm Kia. And I'm Michelle. And we're going way back. Kind, kind of way back. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely, I was surprised when I found out what year this movie was made. Uh-huh. But we're all, this is another episode of uh, Tropes the Movie. Yes. Definitely. Which, I mean, we always like that. Usually, yeah. You, usually. Yeah, usually. usually. But this week we are talking about Green Card. Green Card is a movie made in 1990. Stars Andy McDowell, Gerard Depardieu, B.B. Newworth, uh, and Ethan Phillips. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was directed and written by Peter Weir, who also directed or who directed Master and Commander, Witness, Dead Poets Society. Uh, it has an IMDb score of 6.3 out of 10 mm-hmm. and a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. <laughs> I was looking at some of the trivia and and I saw that um that Peter Weir he had wanted Gerard Depardieu um for this movie but because of but because of like scheduling Depardieu wasn't going to be available for like 12 months and so Peter Weir was just like okay and went off and made Dead Poets Society <laughs> One of the only things I really know Gerard Depardieu from is from The Last Holiday. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of movies with him in it. I know who he is. See, oh man, see for me, um, uh, one of the the few movies that my high school history teacher showed us that was actually relevant to things that we were covering, usually he just said fuck it and put in a movie if he didn't feel like teaching that day. My teacher's Um, like that. But... We were studying French history, and at one point he put on the movie Danton, um, which, which you know, was a big movie for Gerard Depardieu, and it's about like the French Revolution and everything mm-hmm. like that. And um, and then and then we also watched um, Napoleon and Josephine. Like mm-hmm. w- when we were continuing to study French history, he put in Napoleon and Josephine with Armand de Sante. <laughs> and um, but um, but there was that um, that I saw him in. The first thing that I ever saw him in is another 90s movie, and it's called Bogus. And it's um, it's him, Haley Joel Osment, like tiny Haley <laughs> Joel Osment, with, uh, and then Whoopi Goldberg and Nancy Travis. And what it is, Haley Joel Osment is Nancy Travis's son, and she grew up in like a children's home, and she gets killed in a car accident. And she has no family and so she basically like in her will kind of left her child to her foster home sister which was Whoopi Goldberg and so oh. now Whoopi Goldberg is like I suddenly have this child Gerard Depardieu is bogus he is Haley Joe Osment's imaginary friend oh who like he comes up with as a way to kind of cope, cope with with everything. with everything going on yeah and it's adorable. Like, I love that movie so much. But there was that. He played uh, Porthos in Man in the Iron Mask. Yes. Yes, he did. Did that. Um, so I've seen him in that, too, but I forgot. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, he's, he's a pretty good Porthos. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I've only seen that movie once or twice. Oh, see, I loved I, it. I like it. I just never saw it until I was old. I didn't see it till college. Oh, God. I Like, I know that, like, the, then, like, there's Green Card. Those are kind of the big things that I've seen him in. I know I've seen him in some other stuff. Mm-hmm. But those are the big ones that I always remember. And then and we've, we've actually had Andy McDowell and B.B. Newworth on a movie. <laughs> yeah. 
The, um, yeah, two, two, two different, different movies. Two yeah. different movies, yeah, because we had uh, Andy McDowell in Four Weddings and a Funeral, and B.B. Newworth played Kate Hudson's boss in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yep. Yeah. Which, B.B. Newworth, love of my and life. The reason I had to mention Ethan Phillips is nerdly. Um, Ethan Phillips plays Gorski. He's the INS agent. Oh, okay. He also played Neelix for seven years on Star Trek Voyager, <laughs> or as many people think of him, the Jar Jar Binks of the Star Trek universe. Um <laughs> I mean, he's almost more hated than Wesley Crusher at times. Like, like oh, see, for I'm... Voyager, he is Voyager's Wesley. Like, oh, okay, it's he, he. I don't mind him most of the time, but a lot of people did not like that character. He's he's one of those like like it's cyclical. Like I always see jokes about him or jokes about Wesley mm-hmm. on different stuff that I watch. Yeah, but Ethan Phillips is hysterical. I love Ethan Phillips. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I get to watch a shit movie with Neelix. I'm happy. This is great. <laughs> but. Well, if uh, if you haven't seen the movie, the premise is very, very simple. A man wanting to stay in the U.S. enters into a marriage of convenience, but it turns into more. Okay. It's an interesting movie. It's funny in uh-huh. places. I think I had some pacing issues with this movie. Uh, there are definitely some pacing issues. And I think there's some music issues. Yeah. We will get into it, but I called Josh in here to watch the end of the movie with me. Because I was like, tell me this doesn't sound like she's about to be murdered by a serial killer. Like, <laughs> yeah. There there are definitely some weird... Some weird mu- soundtrack choices. There are some weird music choices. I, I yeah. will agree to that. Um, but no, this... Because re- this is one of those movies, like, I had seen it, mm-hmm. you know, as I've mentioned on the podcast before. I had just kind of unlimited access to whatever I wanted to watch, like, with movie channels because I was home alone a lot. <laughs> and um, so Green Card was just kind of one of those movies that would cycle through like mm-hmm. HBO and, and all that sort of stuff. So I saw it quite a bit when I was a kid. It was just something that was on. I never really thought much about it. Mm-hmm. And then um, on one of our roommate date nights, when Anne and I went to Springfield, um, we went to uh, we went over to Entertain Mart, mm-hmm. and I found it on DVD for like super cheap. Entertain Mart, the place to go for used DVDs. Oh man, it! Oh, God, I loved it. it. It was it was the it was the it uh, was it was kind of perfect because it was directly across directly across the street from uh, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, and as a person who grew up with Hastings, which was yeah. music movies and books all in one location yeah. having entertain mart directly across from Barnes and Noble. I was like, it filled a little bit of the hole in my heart, not having yeah. access to Hastings. Man, I miss Hastings. Oh God, me too. <laughs> God. But, um, yeah, we like, I found it there for pretty cheap. And so it was one of those, like, Anne and I would just kind of put it on sometimes. So it's been probably about 15 years since I've watched it. Mm-hmm. And so there are certain things that, like, I really remember. Other things I'd completely forgotten. Literally, her being a horticulturalist and, like, the reason she wanted the apartment was for a greenhouse. Completely forgot all that. <laughs> I knew she got married for an apartment. I forgot it had to do with plants. Wow, that's hilarious. Yeah. That's um, such a big plot point. I know. Literally. But I was like, oh, right. Plants. Okay. So yeah, oh, it, it had been a while. But rewatching it, I was seriously like, there were times that I re like during this movie that I was just like, Okay, now I really want to write like fanfic AUs based on yes. this movie. Oh, like yes. it like because it's one you don't see very often. <laughs> it's it's a fun one. But um 
Yeah. It, it jumped right into the action, which... Okay, I've yes. never seen this movie. Really? I had never seen this movie, ever. I just kind of assumed it was one that, mm. you know, we... Because... <laughs> it may have been playing when I was present, but I never watched this movie. Well, because kind of our friend group relationship with yeah. basically one or all of us, we always had something playing on the TV. Yeah. And so we all kind of got randomly subjected to stuff when we yeah. would come into each, you know, we'd go to each other's rooms. But also... I mean, I watched Seed of Chucky with Danny, so I've... <laughs> I've done, I've watched Tempo, Seed of Chucky. I have, those are the ones, I black everything else out because what else? What was it? I don't think Time, I, was it Timeline? Was that the name of the movie? Poor, Poor Francois. Francois. I own that movie. <laughs> and, and then Francois was on Rain. And yes. so it was a whole, it was a whole full circle moment for us. Um, but we, like that, we had that kind of setup. up. Yeah. But, but also we, we were all kind of like a lending library for, yeah. <laughs> for DVDs. It's like. We could walk in and just be like, hey, Michelle, can I borrow Three Musketeers? Yeah, it's on the shelf. Just grab you it. You know, just stuff like that. So I just, I had it because I had this movie in college. Yeah. I think I just kind of assumed, oh, it got swapped around. Somebody there, saw it at some point. That's funny. I did not, I had not seen it at oh, all. Oh, wow. So I was in for a bit of a, a journey in this movie. <laughs> I did not know what to expect. I was very surprised at how quickly the story began. Yeah. Because, like, it literally, I was expecting, because, okay, I'm I'm a child of the 90s, mostly, mm -hmm. but I thought they were going to meet and talk and then come up with this idea. No, 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 no. Their friend Anton, is it Anton? Yeah. Anton. Just, they meet with Anton, they go to the, the <laughs> at the literally? Africa Cafe. But yeah. I will say, the weird opening, like, the drum, drums at the beginning, yeah. really threw me for what oh, this movie too. was. I was like... I, I did not remember that at all. Literally, like, like the movie, the movie opens with a with a busker yeah. who is like, like frantically, like furiously, like, like, ab like drumming on on a bucket, and it's a great like actual like yeah. Thing. But I just the drum motif in this movie felt so out of place. <laughs> I know, but but like, I get it why it was there, but it was just so strange. Yes. <laughs> it was it was very like. It, it just, there was a couple yes. of spots that felt so strange. It absolutely feels weird, but, like, I get what he was going, because, like... Yeah, it, yeah, I get what they were going it, for, It yeah. kind of blows my mind, because, like, I have some problems with just suddenly, like, this movie, like, there will be action happening, and then all of a sudden, we just cut to, like, a random interstitial. Uh-huh. And I, so I have problems with that, and so, like, I just kept thinking over and over, I'm like... How did he do Dead Poets Society and then this? Yeah. It feels like a regression. It, yes. Because <laughs> Dead Poets Society is one that I watched in high school. Like, mm -hmm. that was my, my English teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We has, watched it, too. Who has since passed away, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, we watched it with him. He watched it with every class. Mm -hmm. It was a whole thing. And he very much was kind of like that. Like, the seize the day scene and stuff so yeah. yeah that that movie is like imprinted in my brain and so to yeah. know that that guy did and this to be fair i haven't watched dead poet society in a while it might have some of the same it issue. probably does it probably does but we just there's so many standout I, scenes in it that make yeah it hard like to, and i but then you've got robin williams doing oh, yeah you know the some of the best dramatic work mr keating yeah ever but that, to me like that was this is way off topic it's but fine. that that was one of those like 
perfect Robin Williams roles in yes. that it gave him like the freedom to do some of his like comedy that he's that you know that he does. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz like that whole thing, you know, like with Marlon Brando and John Wayne is like acting Shakespeare. He did that in his stand up. Yeah. And so having that but also allowing him to be dramatic, to, like to me that mm-hmm. is just one of those like perfect Robin Williams roles. And I think um, I will say I think the Annie McDowell and and uh, Gerard Depardieu and Bibi Newworth are, are great. Yeah, but they're not like Robin Williams. You know, mm-hmm. they're not going to elevate that that in that way. Like Robin Williams could take a script, and by the time he's done with it, it could be the biggest garbage pile. And by the time he's done with it, it's amazing because <laughs> Robin Williams touched it. Like. I mean, just think of the other things he was in that weren't great because <laughs> he was in some not great stuff. Oh, he was in some very not great movies. But, you know, then you've got, like, movies that were, like, family-friendly that he, like, Mrs. Doubtfire. No one could have made Mrs. Doubtfire as good no. as he did. And it's just things like that. Like, yeah, but I, I think I think also, like, I don't know why this is just occurring to me, but I think also, like, the difference between... Um, the difference between Dead Poet Society and this is that with Dead Poet Society... It's all contained to the school, and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of stillness in it. Yeah. Whereas with this, when they're not in her apartment, because, like, like Gerard Depardieu, like, the character of George, he kind of brings a bit of, like, a whirlwind energy at times. He and, does, absolutely. And so, mm-hmm. that, so when they're not in the apartment, they're out in the city, which is its own kind of frantic. And so, like, it... I think that could be like a difference. Is maybe. that maybe there's like, a, there's a di- dissonant? Yeah, and thing there. um, but yeah, like I I think that where like with Dead Poet Society, there's there's definitely some times where like I said, it's very still, it's very calm, mm-hmm. and it's an easier kind of transition between. Because I know that like now that I'm thinking about it, there is kind of lots of scenes of like, oh, we're in a classroom and things are happening, and then. I was like the boys in the cave. Like, yeah, like and then yeah. yeah, and then you know, random like exterior shot of this like things with the school that goes on for like three or four seconds. Yeah, and then we've got you know Neil yeah. and you know like in his room and stuff like that. So, but I think it just generally, despite the fact that it is a movie about teenage boys, that there is a lot of like stillness and contemplation in that movie. Yes. Whereas with this, it's. There's, yeah. There's a lot more like frenetic energy, but it, but yeah, it it begins opening like with like I said this busker, like furiously drumming, and and then we see like Bronte is across the street buying a flower mm-hmm. from a from a street vendor, and then she goes into the Africa Cafe where mm-hmm. she meets with with Anton. And she's kind of she's kind of nervous, and Anton is like, "What? Well, that's to be expected. It's your wedding day," and and then that's where we see George mm-hmm. come up to the window and kind of knock on it to get Anton's attention, and he and Bronte kind of look at each other through through the glass, and they kind of like they're kind of sizing each other up, and then it immediately cuts to we see the courthouse. And there's this couple that this couple is like passionately kissing and there's all their friends and they're ha- flower petals, throwing and- flowers and rice and all this. And just this couple very much in love. And, and then we see George and Bronte kind of walking out and like standing over to the side. And then like, they're now wearing wedding rings and George just says, nice to meet you. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 
<laughs> and they're married. They never going to see each other again. Which peace, yeah. love, and happiness. But Bye. I, I love, I love that he, you know, he, um, like Anton kind of gives them their paperwork, and then George tells Bronte says, you know, I'll never forget Africa where we first met, and she's like, huh? Oh, right, the cafe. <laughs> but um, and then he just tells her, well, good luck with your life, and she's wishes him luck composing which she's very confused by and which is your music he's like oh yeah okay yeah and that, that was a weird beat that didn't it never played out the way i anticipated if that makes sense because like it, how do i say this when we get to it I'll, I'll probably come up with a better way of saying it but like all of the backstory of each of these characters felt like asides that didn't matter like the way they mm-hmm. were delivered yeah, I, I can see it's that. It's just like, also, it's really hard for you to buy it. And maybe I'm just not looking at it right, but Gerard Depardieu as like a badass on the streets felt weird to me. N- but I can see it sort of. No, actually. But his softness, like, in this no, made it weird. No, literally, like, a lot of George's backstory, Peter Weir took from Gerard Depardieu's life. Oh, Depardieu's that's cool. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Like, all, like, with the tattoos and him having, you know, like, an affinity for prostitutes. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's all straight from Gerard Depardieu. That. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, um, so yeah, they're, they're married. She's now interviewing for, uh, for this apartment in front of the worst people in the, the world. The oldest, whitest I mean, people. Honestly, if you blew on one of them, they might just dissolve. Oh, yeah. Like, they are made of dust and little else. And, oh, God, yeah. But um, Bronte tells, you know, this this committee, um, you know, she says you know, her husband is in Africa and he's composing music and... And they look kind of worried for a second. Scandalized. Very scandalized. And then she says, oh, you know, he drums, is he? I know. Yeah. He, you know, but she says, no, no, no. He studies the music. He's an academic. And then they're like, oh, okay. But wait, he himself is not African, right? He's, he's French. Oh, French. So like you see them wipe the sweat off their brow. And I was like, oh my God. Oh yeah, Absolutely. (laughs) Um, but she is there. She wants to take that apartment so she can reinvigorate the garden that is on it because she believes she can bring it back to where it should be, where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, they eventually give in and give it to her much to this old lady on the board's disapproval. She never seems to really approve of. No. Well, of it, they, but. they tell her, um, you know, the previous tenant was a single man who neglected the responsibilities that come with that apartment, meaning the greenhouse and the upkeep of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they feel that a young married couple would be most suitable. Mm-hmm. And so that's why <laughs> yeah. she had and, to be married to get and it. And there's another couple that's that's in line. So if mm-hmm. she can't be better than them, she's not going to get it. Yes. But, you know, it's it's her horticultural knowledge that, that wins the day. Mm-hmm. Um and she, um, because you find they, they mentioned she's part of, of a group called the, the gorilla, green, gr- the, the green gorillas, green gorillas. I was thinking gorilla gardeners, but yeah, no, green no, gorillas. no, uh, green gorillas, that's not some kind of, that says like army affiliation. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> we just like, they make gardens and stuff in urban areas mm-hmm. and we see that happening. And yay, John Spencer. Yeah, I know. He has like two seconds of movie and it like, <laughs> oh, it's Leo from West Wing, guys. Like, R.I.P. Literally, like, I saw his name in the credits yeah. and I was like, oh, that, that'll that be nice. 
It took me, like, with the ball cap on, it, I literally almost didn't recognize him. I think I was looking down writing something, and so he spoke first. Yeah. And my brain immediately, like, wait, I know who that is. Yeah. But yeah, so that was a nice little, like, we see what they do. We see um, we see Bronte with her boyfriend, Phil. Mm-hmm. Phil is handsy. Um, but, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, he is. But yeah, they see her with her boyfriend, Phil. And they, they all, like, they work... Like, everybody works, like, late into the night, kind of turning, like, turning this, um, rubble and debris-filled kind of urban lot, alley, yeah. like, lot into, you know, into a, like, community garden. Yeah. And, um, like, literally you see them hauling off, like, an old, like, burnout car. <laughs> but they're um, also using, what was really kind of interesting yes. to see was, like, the, them using the debris and stuff to make mm-hmm. planters. Kind and, of, yeah, like, using, like, yeah. a lot of the bricks and everything to make kind of, like, a rock garden. Yeah. And... Well, and, like, they made it, like, the base of a, like, I think a tree had, like, some mm-hmm. stuff, some, like, masonry around it. And it was really cool because that's something yeah. that's really big now, even. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting, like, um, thing to see. But but afterwards, you know, everybody realizes like, okay, God, it's late. Like we're all starving. Like let's let's go to this, you know, restaurant around the corner, and um and so they go to the restaurant, and Phil is being that guy, and like that vegetarian. <laughs> well, no, it's not just that. <laughs> it's just the, the way he did that. I was being like that. Like yeah, like, no, he's no, no. That, what what I'm holier than thou? I I I meant even before that guy. That guy. Oh yeah. The the like. Every person, every man in a, in a white shirt and bow tie. Are you our waiter? Like, wait, are you our waiter? Like, where is our waiter? (laughs) Dude, just chill the fuck out. They're busy. Yeah, Um, it was, it was a wall to wall. It was packed. Yeah, it's, it's a packed restaurant. And so somebody calls out for their waiter and surprise, surprise, it's George. And and the the panic on her face is real. (laughs) And Bronte just like hides behind the amusement on George's face is real. Yeah, because he well, just looks amused by it. He's like, okay. Well, I love that you know that they they call out to him, and he kind of turns and looks to the sound of the person who was calling him, and so she sees him, and then he immediately says to Phil and every like Phil and the the rest of the people, she's like, she's like, oh, can we, can we just go? Like, it's awful in here. And then George hears her, and then that's when he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and so yeah, they he takes the order, but Phil is like, well, do you have? He's like, what are your specials? Well, we have, you know, he lists the two, like, beef. I don't know what they were. It was like... It, yeah, it was... I don't know what the specials were, but they they both had meat in them. Well, I'm a vegetarian. Do you have a vegetarian option? Why? Well, it's like, well, we, yeah. It's like, we, we have fish. It was like, no, fish is still meat. It's like, yes, we we have vegetables. But just the, why are you just, a vegetarian? That, I, know. I laugh so hard. It's like, that's 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 hilarious. But, but, um, but, but eventually, like, they get the orders. But then he goes to take her order. Yeah. And he's like, Mamzelle? Or is it Madame? And just looks at her at hard cut. <laughs> well, first she kind of gives this nervous little laugh and like, <laughs> and then hard cut. It's yeah. just, yeah, no, I was like, that's really funny. But, um, well, and then this is where, this is where I was talking about like random interstitial shots that uh-huh. just kind of, because it goes from that of like her laughing and then it hard cuts to her like looking at her garden like while the sprinklers are on mm-hmm. and so okay and then it cuts back to her and phil getting out of a cab and it looks like they're wearing what they were wearing at the restaurant oh i didn't catch that yeah and so i was like okay. she's only got one outfit that she gardens in <laughs> um but it's like so it cuts from restaurant 
to her looking at the garden and it's daytime because you see the light coming yeah. in through the greenhouse to cut again and suddenly it's it's night so apparently it's a different night even though it looks like she and Phil are wearing the same outfits that they had been and he's walking her to her door and that's when I was like what the fuck happened yeah, there's here there's several of those there's several like, of I those lost, yeah it made me lose time pretty but, bad um, I, it almost felt like it was trying to be like an like an art house independent type film. See, but I it didn't really, I never got that vibe from it. Okay. Cause it, if, cause I think if it had been going for art house, those interstitials would have lasted a lot longer. That's fair. And they, they would have been much more artistic for lack of a better word. That's fair. Um, but basically Phil wants to come up to Bronte's apartment, but she's, really reluctant and then this is where also like i just wanted to kick phil in the crotch because he's like he's saying he's like oh most girls are just all over me and they're all pushy but not you i like that you're not clingy you could be more clingy yeah ew and again still handsy like his hand always seems to find her ass always always um so but they they kiss and he leaves (laughs) and oscar the doorman oscar the doorman he's a he's a he's a whoo it's the night. It's early 90s. Yes. Um, but the doorman, Oscar, he gives Bronte her mail. And he tells her that most of it is addressed to Miss Parrish, not to Miss Parrish, not Mrs. Foray. And and she, you know, is like, oh, well, you know, I, I still go by my maiden name and everything. Oh, and, one of them feminists. Yeah. It's like, oh, women's, women's lib. lib. That's what women's women's lib. lib. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, he tells her, he's like, oh, well, you know, and there, he's like, I had a look. There's nothing from Africa. Nosy. Yeah. And she kind of... She, you see her kind of give this look like, wait, what? But then he says, says oh, you know, I, I, I guess Mr. Forey is still on safari. And she's like, yeah, something like that. Um, and I was like, Oscar is suspicious. <laughs> or just nosy. <laughs> and it turns out it's the latter. I, I was waiting for, like, the doorman to solve the mystery of, like, of, like, no, she's not actually married. No, basically Oscar is like Mrs. Kravitz. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um. But then we have the INS comes yep. to speak. The INS is in the lobby waiting to speak. And this is another thing. The INS is like, oh, we're here in the lobby. We would like to speak to you and your husband. Suddenly cut to her going to the restaurant to look for George. I'm like, okay, I want to know how like she got rid of them. I Yeah. How did she get them to make an appointment with her or whatever? Yeah. I'm like, of, like yeah. you know. Um, but she goes back to the restaurant and like to try to speak to George and George has been fired. George has been fired for being rude to a customer. Yes. Which and is not surprising after you see how he was with Phil. <laughs> <laughs> um but then you know, and I do love like the, the major D tells tells her that, you know, that George is trouble and that you're like be better off to stay away from him. But she's like I Fuck, I gotta find him. And that's when a waiter comes over and is like, I hear you're looking for George. And then it hard cuts again. And where she's back in the apartment and George shows, uh, George like. George is there. Yeah. He comes to the apartment. He meets Oscar. Yeah. And stuff on the way up. But like, I was like, that's a weird, like, like. Yeah. We didn't see her give the guy a note. We did, which I guess she didn't really need, but that. There, I, I, yeah. Instead of an interstitial, let's give me a connective tissue shot. Yeah, I know. Every once in a while. It, that is probably like that is definitely like a big problem they have with this movie. Mm-hmm. Of like sometimes it works, but a lot of times the just sudden hard cut to yeah to the like next this thing. next thing happening yeah. it. Um, but anyway, George does come to the apartment, and um, 
Bronte, she's kind of flustered. She's very nervous. She's she's very nervous. You know, you know, she's saying that she's talked to her lawyer. The lawyer told her, like, don't worry, like this visit is probably just routine. And George just kind of like he's like he's taking in what she's saying, but he's just very nonplussed, and so he asks for coffee. And she's like, coffee, right? Yeah, okay. We'll we'll have we'll have coffee just like any perfectly normal couple. And like perfectly normal married couple. And and so while she's trying to make the coffee, he's asked you know, she asks about the composing job that he had lined up in California. And he says, Oh, he didn't take it because you know, he didn't like those people. He'd rather be that he'd rather be a waiter than than, work than, for them. than, than work for those people. And and then she says, well, you know, but you aren't working at the restaurant either. And he says, oh, well, yeah, I quit. She's like, oh, they said you were fired. Huh, that's funny. <laughs> um, And then he, he he's like getting comfortable. Well, yeah. But First, it, he's like going through her stuff. Yeah. Like, and it's, but it's also during this exchange, he calls her Betty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, um, it's Bronte. Oh, coffee? <laughs> And she and so then she like starts to flip out. She's like, the coffee. I'm going to jail, you're going to be deported, and you're worried about the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Which does make me laugh. But yeah, then he like takes his boots off, like lays on the like l- l- relaxes onto the couch. He goes, you know, just like any normal married couple, we're just gonna relax. It's okay, mm-hmm. let me do the talking. And then the knock on the door happens. He's like, Cherie, get the door. I loved that. Like, yeah. he immediately was just like, okay, I'm going to go into character. Yeah. Cherie, get the door. And then they, they talk and for a second. That, that's when she's like, but no, like, we, we have to, like, for, like figure out our stories. And he's like, Which just, she's right. I know. Oh. Um, th- th- one. Th- this is our problem. Like, li- literally, like, with all of the, like, fake dating stories that we have covered on this show, uh-huh. like, literally none of them get their story straight. Like, all you have to, it's a, like the proposal is the closest yeah and that's because and they only don't get it straight at first because they didn't have a second to like yeah get it done but as soon as they can get their story straight they do yeah because the Sandra Bullock character is way way too organized (laughs) to not but the um uh, yeah so then they bring the the people in Gorski and I forgot the woman's name she and she and they bring them in they start talking to them I love this little moment of the because they sit down on the couch and the INS agents they sit in chairs across from them mm-hmm. and they're both both George and Bronte are both kind of nervously like fidgeting with their hands and then George just reaches across and like takes her hand and she kind of for a second is like oh wait what oh my god like oh okay no this is fine <laughs> like you see just kind of the panic yeah. that crosses her face and then um, they have the, they, they get through the interview okay like which, the, the the female ins agent is is buying kind of what yeah they're they um now gorski he, is like very shrewdly like looking at them like he's suspicious yes well because you you find out george he's been in the country for five months but he came in on a tourist visa which only allowed him to be in the states for six weeks and so you know which that in and of itself would be an offense but because he's married that gives him automatic residency status and so they start asking questions of you know the um you know, confirming, like, is the apartment your place of residence? And they're like, yeah. And 
and then they say, oh, well, we, we talked to, we talked to some of your neighbors and they say that, um, you know, he's, that George, you know, that Mr. Foray has been out of the country and he's like, oh yeah, in Africa, shooting elephants. And you, like, she, you can see, like, she just wants to kill him. With a camera, of course. Yeah. And she's like, with, with a camera. And then she, you know, then she like kind of points to the garden and she, you know, she's like, well, he, he brought me back some violets, some African violets. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and she, this like she mentions, you know, him composing, and and the agents are like, yeah, we we don't have a record of of you being a composer, and so they ask what he writes, and he says he writes music for the ballet because he saw that she does ba- she that, that she ballet. that she did ballet when she was younger, yeah. so yeah, and. Um, and so then they ask him, you know, your passport application said you had no criminal convictions. Is that still true? Oh, of course. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, they ask her if she speaks French and she's like, huh, not really. And, and kind of nervously, but then she and the, the female agent says, she's like, oh, well, you know, no barrier to love a, and it's like, well, you know, we're sorry to bother you, but there's been a major clampdown on illegal aliens marrying for residency status and a green card. It came, It's come down from the top, the White House. Um, <laughs> it's just like conspiratorially, the White House. Yeah. Like, and a- to which, yeah, to which then George is like, like, oh, well, you don't want to get the wrong people, which is, man, with, <laughs> like, with everything that's been going on with immigration the past few yeah. years, like, that kind of hit me. I'm like, oh, wow, that's still wildly relevant. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this, like, Gorski, like, absolutely still seems the, suspicious. And the phone starts to ring. Well, hold on. Yeah. First, first they ask, how did oh, you, yes. yeah, how did you two meet? And they both, like, get panicked. Like, oh, you take this one. No, 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 honey, you take I'm sorry. it. This is a really easy thing you can actually say how you met yeah anton introduced you at a cafe done yeah oh absolutely it could be a mutual friend who introduced you that could be your story oh yeah i know but george parcels george fucks it up and starts it's like it's like well um like we he says that they crashed into each other while he was carrying a lot of parcels and then that's when she's like and anton don't forget anton i was with anton and he knew george and he introduced us and they kind of leave it at that, and then, and then one of the agents is like, "And the the, the female agent yeah. who wants to get the love story, yeah, who wants to get the love story." And and then George is like, "It was raining. We got soaked. I accidentally picked up one of her parcels when I picked up mine. Oh, you you had parcels too. Everyone had parcels. So many parcels. <laughs> so I picked up one of her parcels by mistakes, and I had my parcels and her parcel, and I was strag- staggering around. Literally, it's like this conversation, like through the course of the conversation, yeah. the word parcels like stops taking yeah. on meaning. And at some point in the conversation, the phone starts yeah. ringing, and they just start ignoring it. And then finally, somebody's like, "Are you going to get the phone?" So she goes to answer it while he continues to tell the parcel story. <laughs> and it's her boyfriend who's out it's, of town. It's Phil who's in upstate New York. Yeah. And um, and Gorski, Gorski clocks when she's like awkward about being on the phone and like ducks behind the wall. And yeah, like, he clocks all that. He, He's clocks, very, he like, clocks that. And then George continues and says, so I had nine parcels and now I had 10. So I opened it and it was ladies underwear. So I called Anton and he said, it must belong to Betty. You mean Bronte? Yes, Bronte. But I didn't know her name and now I did. And that's it. And like very clumsily like wraps up the story. And And I'm literally like, like, why can't, why could nobody just say like her name is Bronte, but he calls her Betty as a nickname. Yeah. Um, 
That would have been because that'd been too easy, and this movie doesn't know how to do that. Yeah, I know. Because 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 my like I don't know why, but literally the thing that popped into my head was like Laura Ingalls Wilder. Almanzo called her Bess yeah. because like he called her Mama Bess because yeah. her middle name was Elizabeth. Yeah. Like <laughs> like it's I was like Betty Bronte. It's like it's not that hard of a leap. I'm like your French. You mispronounced her name. And you guys thought it was cute, so it became your thing. Yeah, but, but Gorski, it, yeah. yeah, Gorski is absolutely suspicious, and so he asks to use the bathroom. And because Bronte is still on the phone, he asks George to show him. And George never learned what the bathroom was in the ten minutes he had before. Yeah, before INS showed up, so he opens the wrong the wrong door twice before ushering him to the right door, mm-hmm. and that kind of gives them a little bit away. So they're told that they have. Like, we see her with her lawyer. We, her, yeah, her lawyer, and, they and have two the, days the, essentially before. Yeah. Which this is the longest two days of a movie. Oh, I absolutely yeah. I, and I had also like I thought this took place over the course of like a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I did not remember that it took place in two goddamn days. Yeah, I'm like. Oh my god. <laughs> but the um her lawyer tells her that she should let George move into her apartment and she's just absolutely like scandalized by this idea. And and I love that like the lawyer tells her he's like I think you have your priorities all wrong. Yeah. Like you married a man you didn't know in order to get a greenhouse. That shocked me. All right. So I'm old fashioned when it comes to marriage. I happen to think falling in love has something to do with it. You don't fine but if marrying a stranger doesn't shock you then letting him move in spend a couple of nights on the sofa that shouldn't shock you either yeah um but yeah the lawyer tells her the ins wants a second interview on monday to so that gives them a weekend to get their story straight that the interview will be in depth and that they'll be questioned separately because they're going they're going to want to know the color of each other's toothbrush what does he like to eat does he snore those kind of things you're going to have to get to know each other's habits don't I have an alternative? You can confess everything now. He'll be deported. You could face charges and no more greenhouse. It's like living in a police state. No, it's called breaking the law. Yeah. It's like no matter how trivial it may have seemed to you at the time, that's what you've done. I love that her lawyer is like, no, 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 no. You don't get to do that. <laughs> yeah. You don't get to play the poor me card. You made this yeah. decision. You now have to either put up or shut up. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no I, way around it. I love that he calls her on that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, but you know, he, the lawyer, he recommends that she introduce George to her friends, let them get to know him, you know, and then, um, you know, to kind of like bolster their story and she's like no 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 absolutely not like i'm like she is determined that she's gonna get through this without anybody finding out about this whole situation yep. and the lawyer tells her he's like that's up to you but get the story straight yeah. like very much emphasize it two days and and he tells her you know by monday this will all be over and you can start planning the divorce i yeah. can't wait <laughs> um but then you know she she gets home and which she there's a knock at the door and she opens it and George presents her with a koi for her pond which was very sweet which is very sweet um when I I love the bit of shade that she throws him because she opens she brings him in and she says she's like well you know, okay well you know I'll put this and then I'll, I'll show you around not that there's really much to see I mean you do know where the bathroom is <laughs> <laughs> um. But he, um, he starts to smoke 
and she asks him not to do that inside. And um, and she's fixed them coffee, and he thinks it's terrible and insults it um, because it's decaf. Because it, she only drinks decaf. Um, which what's the point from what I understand of coffee? I don't drink it myself. Okay, but from what I lately, lately I have I don't know why. Like coffee is all I want to drink, and that makes sense. Then and so. <laughs> but like i can't have caffeine after like a yeah. certain point in the day or i will not sleep at all and if i don't sleep then my anxiety goes through the roof and my meds don't work and that's so, fair but yeah she only drinks decaf because she likes the taste question mark man like and then, i don't drink coffee is, but dude, i have a husband also, who does also this is 90s coffee yeah your options were like Maxwell House and Folgers. Like, those were the only two coffees you had. And, like, it's just, they're, my grandmother still only drinks Folgers. And it's just like, huh. she buys all, like, the fancy, like, creamers to go along with it. And I'm like, you have to, because it tastes like shit. Anyway. But he gets up to make, to make real coffee. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they say they're going to split the expenses for the two days he's there. He don't got no job as far as we know. I know. Get, that just. Where does he get all this money? That, I don't know, but was that, he just? It was was what's her name? Helene just independently wealthy, and he got everything. I like, don't. I don't know. It. I want an explanation. Yeah, I do too. Sorry, it's just me. But, but the um, um, you know, she she tells him she's like, I don't want anybody to know about this, so we need to make up a story in case we run into any of my mm-hmm. friends. Something simple. You're an old friend. I admire your ballet music. You're visiting from Paris. You're staying with me for a couple of days. You're gay. Gay? I don't want to be gay. Okay, you're not gay. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, you're an old friend, and all the hotels were booked up, so here you are. It's not a very good story. Well, then you come up with a better one. I don't know. Something political. Terrorist, maybe? No, a terrorist, not good. But political is good. A refugee. That'll work. A French refugee. Yeah, he's like, no, no, no. We just won't say anything. Like, just a friend staying for a couple of days. <laughs> and... And that's when she, you know, she tells him, like, you'll sleep on the couch, we'll split expenses. And he says, he's like, and he says, and I'll cook. And then he kind of gives her a wink. And I love, he picks up the cigarette, remembers, puts the cigarette back down, picks up the coffee, remembers, and then puts the coffee back down. (laughs) It's such a little thing, but it made me laugh. And then they're at the grocery store. Yeah. And he, they're shopping. And they're like, (laughs) like, they both pick opposites of everything. Like, he... Oh my god! He picks up like a hefty roast, like it's a it's a hefty roast, yeah. and like this hefty cut of meat. And she grabs muesli, and he's like, and he asks her, "This is for your birds?" And she's like, "No, it's muesli. It's bird seed. Put it back." <laughs> and she's it's like, "Put it back. I'll get some croissants." And she's like, "I like the bird seed." And <laughs> Throws it into the cart. <laughs> throws it into the cart. They go and grab then, bread, and she grabs, like, a wheat loaf, and he grabs, like, a, a beautiful long French loaf. And, yeah. And then they run into... Lauren. Uh, Lauren, her her friend. And through conversation, George winds up inviting Lauren back to the house to eat. Yeah. And, oh, my, is Bronte not happy about that. <laughs> Which, Meanwhile, Lauren is hysterical and one of my favorite things in this movie. I God, I cannot express just how fucking much I love B.B. Newworth. <laughs> like, she is just a uh, queen of my heart. Anyway, um, um, I do... <laughs> 
do love they get back to the apartment building and they get on the elevator with Lauren and they're carrying all their groceries up and Mrs. Bird, which is is she the lady from the committee too? Yes. Okay. Yes. I couldn't remember. She she's the lady who was on the committee, the one who didn't necessarily want Bronte. She wanted the nice young couple from the bank. Yeah, she wanted the other couple. Um and and she also lives across the hall from Bronte. And so she has been suspicious. Um and she, <laughs> Mrs. Bird is like hurrying as fast as her little old lady legs can carry her to get to get like hold the elevator, hold the elevator. And Bronte is furiously pressing the door, like closed door button. And on the outside, Mrs. Bird is pushing the door to like keep so the so the door just kind of keeps like. Eh, 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 eh. And then finally, Mrs. Bird like shoves her umbrella in and like stops the door. And then she's like, "Oh, Mrs. Bird." Okay, <laughs> but but on the it's a very awkward few seconds of yeah. everybody just standing there in silence, and then Mrs. Bird starts demanding to know what did those people from the government want, and why were they asking all of these questions, and we don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you know, asking, um, and she she says, you know, like asking all these questions, but you know, like did Mrs. Foray ever go to Africa, and and. Lauren says Mrs. Foray and, and without missing a beat without missing a beat Bronte goes George's mother and um and then George chimes in with she died in Africa killed by the elephants <laughs> See, so funny the running gag with the elephants absolutely cracks me up um but then later like you know Lauren continues to ask questions and they still can't get their story straight yeah and um, but then like over the, con- like the course of lunch, we find out that, you know, Lauren, Lauren says that her parents are moving out of New York and her, they have a, you know, beautiful garden at their home and her Lauren's, dad, yeah. Lauren's dad wants to give all the plants and the trees and everything like that to the green gorillas so that, you know, they can, they can use them to plant them elsewhere. But her mother is very against this idea. Um, and so, um, in the midst of all this, I do love, there's this tiny little moment where, you know, George comes back to the table and, um, and, uh, Lauren, I spaced on your name for a second. Sorry. <laughs> Lauren, um, starts complimenting, you know, the food that he made for lunch and they kind of start talking in French and Bronte just rolls her eyes so hard. They nearly snap out of her head. Well, that's also where the, it's not healthy, all that butter. Yeah. Um, he, what's the point of life? If you don't enjoy yourself, that is my philosophy. I love it. <laughs> Like, yep. Yeah, because because Lauren points out that Bronte like hardly ate anything, yeah, and that's you know that's when she says you know it's just not her kind of food and all the butter's not healthy and all this, um, but then um, George starts to smoke again and Bronte chastises him and Lauren just kind of laughs of like oh you're like an old married couple and they kind of give each other this look, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then Lauren asks so how did you two meet? And George is like, well, Lauren, I was carrying a lot of parcels. And then basically Bronte's like, you have to go now, right, Lauren? It's a long story, and I don't feel like telling you. Go home, essentially. (laughs) And she's like, okay, fine. I can take take the hint. Meanwhile, George is like, finish your wine, as he pours more (laughs) wine into her glass. But so eventually she does leave, and Bronte and George talk, and George is like they they wind up kind of getting 
into a little bit of a yeah because she she's talking about how um like she she's kind of pissed with him for like the fact that he just invited lauren um and and she's just very she feels so guilty for lying she feels guilty for lying but she's you know she's also she she's just frustrated and like this whole thing like it's never going to work and and then and George says like well it's not going to work if I don't know everything about you and he's making this point, um, and she continues like she she hates all this lying, and he tells her you begin the lie when you when you married I didn't make you lie and she says well I didn't ask Lauren to lunch you always blame me you did it too did what married me I did it for the green card why did you do it no one made you no one yeah and. And in and so in the, like he still has the cigarette out and they're in the kitchen like in the doorway in the doorway the, yeah, yeah to the and corner, to the 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 roof the, yeah to the roof yeah and and he he starts to light the cigarette again and she yells at him to go outside and she kind of gets in his space and and he t- like now he's like he's really getting upset and he mm-hmm. tells her he says if you push me to be a beast i can be a beast so take care and that's when you know she st- like she steps closer and he gesticulates wildly and he knocks a he knocks a picture well, off the and, wall. And to be fair, he's a larger guy. He's a, and this yeah. is a small kid, like a small space that they're in. Yeah. He, like, he's it's a, not he's like a he bulky was, dude. It's not like he was like trying to punch a wall or something. No, or, nothing like or, that. You know, he just slightly just, he just gesticulated a little bit bigger because he, he fills a lot of space. I'm, yeah. Because he's very broad shouldered. He's and very he, tall. He's, he's tall and he's broad shouldered and he's kind of barrel chested. Yeah. And so he takes up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. And so he he knocks the picture off the wall and, and breaks she, it, and it, it does feel like such a violent moment, even though it really when you it's go back not. and watch it, it's not. It's really not. Like, but but Bronte had this moment of of slight fear, like mm-hmm. she she bolts to her room, and yeah, she goes to her room to have a cry. Understandable. I mean, a, a lot of this comes down to she feels guilty, and she's trying to offload that guilt onto him. Yes, because that that is where a lot of that fight comes from. I think mm-hmm. is she feels so guilty about all of this. Mm-hmm. And so she goes to cry. He tries to hang the picture back up and the glass just shatters onto the floor. And then he he goes and stands on the roof. Lauren calls mm-hmm. to invite her to mom and dad's for this dinner tonight. The dinner party, yeah. Maybe you can talk mom into giving the trees because her mom is just so against it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, bring George. And she's like, no, I'm not bringing George. But they hang up the phone and she goes out and talks to him. And... As an apology, because mm-hmm. she she comes out of the bedroom, and and notices because and apparently like, again like apparently like a bit of time has passed of her being in the bedroom yeah because he had the time to like as an apology go out and buy vegetable plants and plant them. and plant them like she must have cried for a very long time and and it like you know he, he, he planted some tomatoes he, in the greenhouse and and then um and this is another thing. We find we find out in this moment because she had planted kind of just a um, a planter's box with with some kind of grass, grass, yeah, and you know like very long grass, and but we're not given any explanation. We're not as to we're why, given yeah. no explanation to that, and so it was like okay, fine, like it's just it looks nice, like it's cat yeah. you know cat grass something like that. I don't know, but she um. She had that kind of in, in a planter's box out on the roof, and now she's upset because George 
thought they were just weeds and pulled them all out to plant the vegetable seeds. And she's angry at him. And she says, this is her research. What fucking research? We don't. I don't know. Because we only hear about it one other time and it never comes up again. Yeah, I know. So it's really difficult um, to know. <laughs> like, it's not like this was. Because what does she do for I know. a living? We, like, we don't know any of that. Is, is the gorilla, like the gardening thing, what she does? Well, we, okay. it sounds we, like a volunteer organization. It, it. I just remember it all. We During the committee interview it also said that she also works with the city parks department that's what it is the parks department. right thank you we never see her go to work a single time in this movie no so it's i hard mean to, to be fair this it's movie, only two days it's two days and it's a well, weekend well and, and we don't know how long it is after at the end of the movie when when they go their separate ways we don't actually know how long they're their separate ways mm-hmm. before they meet again mm-hmm so I, mean, the, I know time is wibbly wobbly in time this movie. is real crazy in this movie um but yeah so but in but she gets angry at him mm-hmm. you know for um because he accidentally ruined her research because he ruined her research and um and so she just asks him to stay out of the greenhouse and he says you know you like plants better than people she says well some people and he goes and because they're on kind of like a rooftop like they're on kind of a terrace there is like another like Like, higher section of roof and he goes up there to to be by himself to take a minute to to take a minute yeah and which is a healthy sometimes thing to do absolutely i approve (laughs) and bronte starts to to pull up the vegetables but then kind of rethinks it and, and leaves them alone and she then she goes to she follows him and she says truce okay and he says, I didn't make the war, which I love that line. Yeah. I, it's a good line. And she says, you asked me, you asked me before why I did it. The marriage. It was for the greenhouse. I don't expect you to understand. I understand. You want something, you take it. Says, but we work tonight. Study, just like in school. And, and that's when she tells him, no, like I have to go, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to Lauren's parents' place. And she says, you know, and they're the snob types. And he says, oh, and I embarrass you, the French oaf. Um, and that's when she tells him about the trees and about the group and, and what the group does and helping, you know, these kind of like disenfranchised, like lower class mm-hmm. urban areas. He's super cynical about it. He's, he's very cynical about it. And he tells her, he says, you know, I came from that life. Nothing changes. It's better to just forget about it. The tree. And this, he does have a point because he says the trees are nice, but you can't eat trees. And he says, and it, I didn't get all of it down word for word, but you know, she says, you know, at least she's doing something like these gardens, like they help give people hope. And, um, and you know, that, that the gardens, they give these children that the, these children, they live in chaos and despair. It gives them something good in their lives. And he just kind of dismissively says, if it amuses you, then do it. She's like, amuses me. And storms off and the roof. Stor- storms off. Because she says something to the effect of nothing changes without hope. I liked that line yeah. a lot. Like, without hope, what can... Like, if you don't hope that something mm-hmm. can change, you're not going to strive for it. So yeah, what's it's... the... Like, like, they're coming from different, like, different places massively. Because she's from a very, like, privileged upbringing. Yes. And he is obviously not, as we... Especially as we learn later. But, but so it's an interesting, the... like... It's interesting to see them side by side. It is. And I would have liked more of that. It's one of those, like, it's one of those things where, like, I, like, I appreciated the point that he was trying to make in that, like, Mm -hmm. like, I think it could have been said of, like, okay, what you're doing is great. You maybe just need to rethink 
what exactly it is that you're planting because like in a low income yeah if they're like, only planting flowers and trees that you should not yeah be planting, i'm like, like vegetables like, pl- yeah plant like a community garden <laughs> you know yeah. like things, See, that's what i thought it was at no first, but it's like flowers it's <laughs> flowers and trees yeah, yeah. and so it's like it, like okay like you're you're both like you're almost there <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, give it another 20 years apparently and we'll be there because that's kind of what the, what a lot of stuff is now um but, but yeah, the, and, um, and so she storms off the roof and it, I love that, like, I, I, okay, so I love this whole scene and what he says mm-hmm. next I, I love too. But like, I wish there'd been more of this kind of thing in this yes. movie. Because I, they're both coming from like, they're both coming from, I not even good places is the wrong place, is the wrong word, true places. Yes. Like they're both coming from a place of truth. They just, I, I wanted to see them bridge that gap yeah. a little bit better a little bit more directly Mm -hmm. than is done here because like they will bridge it here in a few minutes but the way it's done like i would have liked to have seen her admit that he had a point yes that's that's yeah um but it's kind of the thing that you get about bronte is like she you know she talks about like why she wanted why she wanted this apartment and everything that you you kind of get the idea that she's very she walls herself off uh-huh. and, and that dealing with people, it's just a lot for her sometimes. Well, and plants are something she can control. Plants are something that she can control. And, and, and it's sort of like, and I'm like, I kind of like, I, I understand the character in that sense of like, you get the idea that this, this apartment, it's her sanctuary mm-hmm. and that this is where she comes to like recharge and renew and, and to take stock and you know, just like things like I completely understand of like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm agoraphobic. I have this places of like, I spend all day at work. And the second I walk through the door, it's like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> and it's just instantly like, I already feel better. Like as soon as my door is closed and yeah. I get that. And, and so here it's, she's, she did this thing to get what she wanted. And so now now the choice that she made she's facing the consequences yeah and so and george is a dirty clumsy oafish yes man and she doesn't and enjoy so he, having that he, kind of person he in her makes life. he makes noise where she's used to silence yeah he's a whirlwind like yes you said. Like, and like he makes mess where she's used to everything clean everything has to be her yes her way and that's something else that like i think if this movie had baby had a different a more maybe a more deft hand mm-hmm. writing it because he also wrote this movie and yes he hasn't written as much stuff he's only written i think a few I, things i agree and so like i think that would have been once again i think it would have been more interesting because we get some like fights that don't really go anywhere if that makes sense like like I, like i want to see it come to fruition and be like and have that like for lack of a better example is all popping in my head but that like early falcon the winter soldier moment when bucky <laughs> When Bucky's like, if he's wrong about you, then he's wrong about me. Yeah. Like, I wanted to see, like, a truth come out of... Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen in most of their their fight-type things. Does that make sense? I mean, it... It happens in a couple, like, in a couple of little moments. That, but that's because yeah. it, we lead up to that, the big fight they have at the end. That's fair. And, and then it's... Because they have the big fight at the end, and then we get the realization of truth. It's not in the moment. Yeah. It's, it's later. later. I just, I don't know, like, like, it just sometimes felt like I would have liked to have seen, how do I say this? A lot of character growth happens behind the scenes. Yeah. And that, that's, I agree. that's a slightly weird it's, yeah. thing. That's all I was meaning. This movie, it, to... it definitely has some clunk to it. Like, if this were a, 
let's drop my book. If if this were like a book, this uh-huh. would work better in some ways. Because mm-hmm. like when she's staring out at the rain, we would know why. Mm-hmm. We would understand. Because as much as like you said, like, like I think we, we you're agoraphobic. I just don't like going out. <laughs> it's not even like I'm scared of it or anything. I just don't. Since I was a child, I'm mm-hmm. like, please leave me at home with my books. I don't want to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I lived half of times before. I lived like half hour, 45 minutes from the nearest town. So my parents couldn't just leave this like seven year old at home alone when they went to town. Mm-hmm. But I would desperately want to be left at home alone. Yeah. And I'm still that way. I was just talking to my in-laws about it last night. But but like so we you and I have that like understanding of like we want to be in like that's our safe place, our recharge place. A lot of people, my sister, for example, mm-hmm. do much better when they are engaging with people. That's yeah. how they recharge is by by engaging with other people. And and so I think like I wish like if this were a book, we would you'd have more of an understanding of where her mindset is coming from. Mm-hmm. And stuff like, cause I think I would love to see more of what, where his mindset is. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like we just don't learn enough about George to understand some of where he's coming from mm-hmm. other than like quick little asides that we get when they're walking through the park later yeah. when they're studying. Like, I just, I, I want more about these characters. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, no, I, it, it, abs- it absolutely very makes surface sense. level at times. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. And no, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> but, but basically she gets ready to leave for the party and, mm-hmm. um, and she, she's fussing over, over her hair and she ends up pulling it up. And as she's getting to leave, she tells George that she'll be back by 10 and that they'll study when she gets back. And he tells her, he's like, don't be late. And and then he tells her, you know, it looks better. Your hair looks better when it's down. And kind of leaves it at that. And she goes to leave. And in the elevator, takes, takes her, her hair, hair down. down. And then she goes to the thing. And this is one of those moments where I don't think this shot was necessary. But it did make the city feel very real. When she pulls up in the cab. And you can actually hear the people honking. I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, they filmed this. They actually filmed yeah. this on the street. Because there's no reason for this stuff to be left in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because like she literally, we just watch her get out of the cab and dash into the building. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is that? You know yeah, what? I know. It made it all feel very real, though. <laughs> like, it gave, like, every time they're out on the street, it does feel, like you said, like, there, there is this, like, cacophony of noise mm-hmm. and sound that you would be very unlikely to get in a present day film. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, that is a very 90s thing. Like, late 80s, early 90s thing is when you're actually filming on a street. Yeah, that's. To have, like, that's, that. That's definitely a thing of because cause we just covered. Um, Friends with Benefits, which yeah. also takes place in New York. Yeah, that movie, like the difference in sound between like eighties, mm-hmm. nineties, and like recent movies is like yeah, eighties and nineties movies much louder. Yeah. Oh yeah, and 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 more because they didn't have the sound technology. I assume is a lot of it mm-hmm. when you're filming on a live street, you can't really control <laughs> the guy screaming next door. But nowadays we have better ways of canceling that out and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, it was just it, it, it did give it more of a real feeling that I, I enjoyed. <laughs> I, like I wrote that down as a positive. So yeah. Well, but- she goes she goes into the dinner party, and I loved I loved this stylistic choice of the fact that everybody at the dinner party is wearing black except for Lauren's mother, who's wearing a very like a cream colored outfit, uh-huh. and Bronte is wearing this kind of teal green. Yeah kind of suit 
yeah. kind of skirt suit kind of thing. And I loved there's because there's a wide shot of all these people sitting around this very long dinner table and it's all black. This one tiny little speck of white at the end of the table and then just this green like right in the middle. And yeah. it's so and if you notice like throughout the movie, they incorporate a lot of green into her wardrobe. Yes. And I love that little choice. But it's gorgeous. And and so Lauren is late and you know her mother kind of makes the comment of like oh our our daughter is an artist so you know we have to give her like a you know like a, she reserves the right to be late Which, to all functions it was nice to see that they still like are proud of their daughter yeah because a lot of movies like this there lauren would be the black sheep of the family and would be yeah. not spoken of <laughs> yeah like, lauren's late again it's like that would have been so this was kind of a pleasant like yeah lauren's late but we're used to it because our daughter's an artist and we're so proud of her and it's mm-hmm. fine and then lauren shows up and she has brought george george because she stopped to pick up bronte and bronte was already gone and george just looked so lonely that she brought him uh-huh. <laughs> um and i love they're having conversations around the dinner table and there's there's a woman at the dinner party who is who's very into George mm-hmm. and and is asking you know kind of asking questions and asks you know are are you married and he says not usually and she's like I'm sorry what does that mean are you married and he's like not exactly and kind of hedging and then Lauren comes in with you you're getting divorced and he's like absolutely. yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um. But, uh, and then this is when Lauren, com- Lauren comments, you know, that Bronte, Bronte, oh, Bronte is not the type. Bronte will never get married. And, you know, even though, you know, like, Bronte's apparently turned down plenty of offers, but she's going to end up, like, quote, some grand old Kate Hep- Hepburn type surrounded by plants. And, and Bronte says, most men I know are too boring or too vulgar to spend the rest of your life with. And, and this Bronte is kind of going on the the offensive like trying to get lauren's mother to to donate the garden and she like her mother won't be swayed she wants to leave the garden for whoever buys the house is like a little gift because because it brought them so, so much, much happy- joy yeah so that, much happiness that she wants it to bring that to the next people who own this house mm-hmm. and bronte's kind of shut down like yeah. okay but at, they they do that very um you know rich people thing of of after entertaining dinner. after dinner entertaining yeah. after dinner they go into a parlor and Bronte's mother is playing the piano and because it's come up through dinner that George is a composer um they they urge him to play the piano bully the word is bully they bully yes <laughs> they they bully him to play the piano and I love that as soon as they 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 start urging him to play the piano. Bronte is just like, oh god, jeez, look at the time. We gotta go. And they try to bamf and it's just they they will Lauren not Lauren will not let it happen. They will not let it happen. And and so George he goes and he sits at the piano and he sits there silently for long enough that everybody starts kind of like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, like, okay, what is what is going on? And then suddenly he just starts banging on the piano. Yeah. And playing the most god awful discordant nightmare. Yep. And um and then finally, like in the middle of this, he glances over at Bronte and then he switches to playing this very soulful tune. Yep. And then he asks the mother if she speaks French and asks her to, to translate. translate for him. And 
he's in this he kind of does this off the cuff like poem yeah along to the music and he speaks it in French and the mother translates and, and it's once I heard the sound of the wind in the trees once I heard the sound of the laughter of children and I wept warm salted tears for the lost trees let the little children come into the trees and I will give them hope he said but there are no trees for the poor lost children decay is their toy despair is their game they have only chaos to climb and the mother is just like weeping by the end yeah. of this. And Lauren leans over to Bronte and is like, I think you got your trees. That, and that was a very good scene. That's yes. the, the scene I was about where like they're bri- that's where they bridge the gap. Yeah. But he had to build the whole bridge basically by himself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and like, I just, I guess I, I miss, I, I, like, I want more give on both sides. Oh, I know. I like, I like equal. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, but they, back at the apartment, George is like taking notes on Bronte's mm-hmm. life and the things around They're the apartment. Studying. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's studying and like, you know, he's writing out like the color of her toothbrush and you know, like the brand of her face cream. Monticello. Monticello. The yes. <laughs> the brand of her face cream and all this. And, um, and he's taking it all down in this little book and then, you know, she, um, Bronte, she thanks him for the performance and, you know, that he gave and he says, you know, the, he didn't just do it for her. He did it for him because if she's angry at him, then that means they're not going to study and he needs a green card. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there's this thing that like, there's this thing that he does and we haven't mentioned it before when he, he just hums. Yeah. And, and she comments on it in this moment because like he's humming and and she says, you know, you you sure do you do that a lot. And he's like, what are you talking about? She's like, you you hum, you hum all the time. He's like, well, I don't hum. And he literally, like, it's a thing he doesn't notice that he's doing. And and then and that you know, but now that he's she's brought it up, he you know he says he's like, well, I'll stop. You know, I'll I'll try, I'll try to stop if it bothers you. And she's like, no, I'm. It's fine. It's just you yeah. just do it. And, um, and he kind of, he's like, oh, finally, like we found one thing that you like about me. And she's like, I don't like, I don't dislike you, George. I have no opinion of you. And, um, and, you know, they have this conversation of, you know, she says that she is just, she wants this arrangement to be over with because she wants to get back to her old life. And he says, well, you know, I'm waiting for my life to begin. And it kind of clicks something in mm-hmm. her. And she's like, okay, let's get to work. And they start studying in earnest. Yes. Uh, they talk about his tattoos. And she's showing him photos, photos. of her family. Yep. They're and... learning each other's background. Yes. Um, she and her siblings were all named after famous writers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he, he, like, he asks her if she loves Phil. And she says yes, because Phil is kind and sensitive. Phil's a twat. Anyway. Yes, Phil is a twat. Um, Even though we have no, like, just, like, he's not, like, mean in this movie. Well, he's a little bit of a, yeah. He's a bit of a twat. Like, yeah. That's the best he's way a twat. Yeah. And, and he doesn't have the best friend seal of approval because Lauren, Lauren, Lauren doesn't like him. Lauren yep. comments, she's like, oh, George is just so gorgeous. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm glad you got rid of him. And, or, like, George is so gorgeous. Like, I'm glad you got rid of Phil and, and all this. And, um, and, <laughs> My phone went off, but no, it was mine. It was yours. Okay. <laughs> uh, but she's saying, you know, like, oh, George is so gorgeous, and I'm glad you got rid of Phil. And and if like I never did like him, I'm still very much together with Phil. Oh my god, I'm sorry. Well, and I don't um, remember where it comes up, but at some point, someone tells her your problem is you date someone who's just like you. 
Yeah, like, like you're, you're nice, and then and you date nice, these nice guys, and then and it, it just, just doesn't work. It's like, yeah, you need to change your type, is is what Lauren tells her. But yeah, they go through they go through his uh, through George's tattoos, and he, like he has a star on his wrist, and he gave this tattoo to himself when he was twelve. Find out he left school when he was ten, um, and then he he has a heart tattoo that was apparently given to him by a prostitute in his town. He has a revenge tattoo of a knife, but he doesn't uh, have the sheath knife, which means he's fulfilled his revenge. Yes, um, you know he he says that he he went to jail for kid stuff like stealing cars, um, and um, you know she tells him it's like she did you know that she didn't believe that he was a composer. Because they've told so many lies that it's hard to figure out the truth. And he tells her, you just have to, you have to trust your instincts. And, and that's when she, like, she's pointing out pictures in the, um, in the photo album that she has out. And, and I love, like, the camera angles kind of change and you see, um, you see that they, like, she's kind of looking at him and then he kind of lingers and looking at her. And then while she's talking, the camera is just on her lips. And she's talking about the, you know, her first boyfriend. It was like, you know, this guy that she dated in college. And, and then George, George asks, so it was he who first kissed those lips. And that's when she's like, okay, enough studying. And like, I don't think they're going <laughs> to ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> And and we go to bed. The, now. Yeah, they go to bed, and I love we see them. Like he's on the couch, she's in bed, and they're kind of tossing and turning. And and then George like knocks on the wall, and he's like, like Bronte, what? Which, which side of the bed do you sleep on? The, the right side. Okay, I'll take the left. And then she thinks for a second he's going to come in the room and sleep in her bed. And she's not, like, actively trying to stop I it. know. <laughs> but that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. He stays on the couch. That was, that was a lot of lead up for a little bit of disappointment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but then I love, you know, we have the next day. And um, and so they've had this this whole story of, like, he's been in Africa. And so he he writes letters to they her. start writing to they each start, other yeah. they start writing letters to each other and to mimic the relationship and he i love he's in one of his letters he says you know sherry it is hot in africa and very green the elephants are restless i think it must be the drums it makes them crazy i miss you every day and i ask the same question when are you coming and she writes dear george the apartment is coming along beautifully i have only to look at the fish pond to think of you Hurry home. You are never far from my thoughts. Much love, B. And then I love that. This is one of the things that always stands out for me in my mind. Like, when mm-hmm. I think about this movie, this is what I think about. They <laughs> they fake... They fake photographs. They yeah. fake vacation photographs. Like... With, Honeymoon with, in Aspen. Yeah. Like, they've got skis. They've got, they've got all this ski gear on. And they're taking pictures on the roof. And like, oh, we need some blue sky. And, and like, taking selfies with a Polaroid making camera. Making sure they don't get, a, a, a like, a, a building in the background. <laughs> yeah. But they take... Um, they take skiing and, and beach photos kind of out on the uh-huh. roof. Um, because he composes for the ballet, they take a photo of like both a, a weird ballet, photo. a weird ballet photograph, um, dancing. Yeah. They, they take, they take some photos of them dancing and like they're, it, I say dancing, they're just kind of spinning, spinning. around yeah, in yeah. her apartment and he's snapping photos while they spin. And, and she's, you know, she's in this lovely dress and he's in kind of a, a tuxedo, um, 
And then um, she brings him some overalls because, oh, he's a husband. So the husband we has need to the be handyman a, we need, pictures. Yeah, we need the handyman pictures. <laughs> That's why you marry a man because he's a handyman. Yeah. And and so they're taking. I missed that check mark. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. He's very handy. But if so, it's funny. The, yeah, so he's got the overalls on now. And yeah, and they're they're taking pictures of him doing handyman things. And <laughs> he's like hammering a nail into a chair that doesn't need it. Yeah, I know. Like so to me, funny. I'm like, wouldn't it have been better to like have him like under the sink doing yeah, something? That would make more sense. But then you couldn't have seen his face. Yeah, I know, true. But um but then there, you know, uh, a buzzer comes yeah. from the intercom and Bronte's parents have arrived on a surprise visit. Um, and she goes, they happen to be in town basically. Yeah. She goes to open the door. She goes to open the door and it's Mrs. Bird is there. And Mrs. Bird is once again, like demanding to know what the government's wanted. And like, there's been nothing but trouble since you people moved and in. And what were and- those drums last night? What, what drums? I'm so confused. Like she asks what the drums were last night. And I'm like, there were no drums. What is, uh, yeah. What? That a- was so- again, again, I think it's because like time is so like fucking weird in this movie. I think like they might've had something with it in there and cut it out. Maybe. It was and just, so like, Mrs. Bird stuff always feels so weird. It's very, but it, so Bronte yeah, kind of talking, gets rid yeah. of her and then the parents come up in the elevator and Bronte is trying to like, he's like, trying to leave. George he, is trying to, leave. he's trying to leave. And, but they don't, it, but they're talking it, to Mrs. Bird at the door. Yeah. Talking so to Mrs. Bird at the door. And so he like, can't escape. He, yeah, he can't get out. And, so he, so they have to just like play it off like he's the handyman. Like he's he's measuring the mantle. Yeah, and so her, I, I get, I get it, but to me, this this thing with her parents arriving, it um, like it feels almost unnecessary. Oh, it was so unnecessary. It absolutely feels unnecessary. It was nice because we see her dad accept George. And her dad, because yeah. her dad sees a photograph of them together. Yeah. Because George tries to hide it because he's like, I'm going to see if George needs any help. He seems, he seems a little lost. So- and I, I, yeah. And I do love, I do love like this one, like this part of the interaction with, with, uh, with her dad, because her dad, her dad says, you're not really a handyman, are you, George? And, and George says, no, I'm, I'm a composer. And, and her dad's like, that's okay. It's like, you know, before I was a writer, like you know, and Bronte's mom and I were first married. I was a cleaner and, and all, and like, and I liked that little and then, moment. And then he finds out that, that they're dating. And instead of doing what you would anticipate in a movie like this and throwing a fit. Yeah. He's cool with it. He's like, okay. Yeah. So he stays in there and talks to the man and gets to know the man. Mm-hmm. And, and his wife, like Bronte tries to go in there and, and mom is like, oh no, she, your, your friend got him out or your handyman got him out of his bad mood. Let's just leave them to talk. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's like, we're talking in here. Don't worry about it. Kind of thing. But he's not, we never see what they talk about, but clearly they're laughing and, mm-hmm. and it is a nice point to see George get accepted by someone. Mm-hmm. And it shows that if they, in the future remain together, mm-hmm. there is an acceptance yes. that could be present. Yeah. And I, and again, but unnecessary. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It was unnecessary, but the, um, but so then we, um, I, cause again, that would have, this movie felt really long and taking that out would have helped a lot. Yes. Um, they, so then we have them walking in the park and they're they're quizzing each other and um most just kind of like the superficial stuff they're kind mm-hmm. of going over but then they they sit down under a tree and and they're talking and and he's he's saying like you like you lived with like you've lived with two other men you know before me i was oh, thanks 
He says, you lived with two other men before me. He's like, there, I can't remember the first guy's name. He says, you know, and then there was Stephen. He says, and Stephen wanted to marry you, but you think marriage is boring. And she says, well, except for ours. And he said, because, and like needing a reason as to why he would be because the exception. You, and she said, because you're different. Because <laughs> you're different and you're funny. And, um, and then she says like, and you fell in love. Well, this is where they bring up, uh, Helen, Helen, yeah. And um, which Helen was somebody that he had been in love with. She's the one who taught him how to play music. She's Yeah. And that's how he came to America is Anton heard him playing music and said, come to America and I'll help you. Yeah. Essentially restart, start your life over again. Yeah. And, and so, but Helen was like the kind of first great love of his life mm-hmm. and, and then she died. And so he hasn't really written anything since then. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're, but they're still having this conversation. And, and then Bronte says, you know, like, and you fell in love with me because and he's like, um, there's, I mean, there's something, there's there gotta ha- be a reason. There has <laughs> to be something. And she's right? getting a little incensed. <laughs> and then she kind of like, Oh, I'm like, Is it you, really that hard. And then like, yeah, you just kind of see her crumble. And then he's, and he says, Oh Yes. Because I began to hear music again. And I love that line. Yep. Because um, it's true, too. Because, it's like, true. That's the humming he's been doing. He hasn't been doing that until he met mm-hmm. Bronte. Yeah. And and then... They're, on their they're, way back from the park. On their way back, they, Phil Ugh. is getting out of the cab in front of Bronte's building. Bronte sees him. Like, they're they're far enough away. Yeah, quickly she, slips the keys to, <laughs> to, to George. George. And then, and tells him, like, don't wait up. And she runs off with Phil. And while, like, she and Phil are having dinner. And I, <laughs> he's, he's being a pretentious twat. And yep. he's, and he's just going on. And he's like, oh, you should have seen, like, you should have seen the moon. And she's like, we had the same moon. And, and he's just like, I know. But, and, but you, without the, without all the crap from the city. He wasn't even in a different state. <laughs> he was in upstate New York. <laughs> It's not like he was in Africa looking at the moon. Yeah, it was. And, and, but he's, he's doing all this talking and she's just very distracted throughout dinner. Um, and meanwhile, George is back at the apartment and George is making a scrapbook mm-hmm. of the two of them and, and the picture of them dancing with, you know, when they're in the, the, you know, the nice clothes, he has a, he has a label on it that says wedding day. And then the skiing holiday, the quote unquote skiing mm-hmm. holiday is, you know, honeymoon and Aspen and, and, you know, just various other things. And, but he's, he's making a little scrapbook out of all these, these pictures that they, they've, uh, they've taken. And then, um, Phil insists on taking like walk, like kind of walking Bronte to her door. And luckily Oscar's not at the door. Yeah. Oscar's not there. And so he, and again, his hand just seems to find her ass. Because he gets handsy again. And she get they go upstairs, she opens the door, and he kind of steps in with her, and he's he's had too much wine and he's being very amorous, and she's just like, Oh, Phil, stop. She's very well aware George is probably sleeping on the couch. Yes. Which George is tossing and turning on the couch. Yeah. And you get the idea is like, you know, she's sure she's missed Phil, like she's having these home, but like, okay, just now is not a good time. And she's just like, Phil, no. And, and he's like, got her gets the door kissing her and she's saying no. It's yeah. And finally <laughs> George has enough. He's like, she said, no, get <laughs> out. <laughs> and he's like wrapped up. Cause he's like just in boxers. Yeah. So he's like wrapped up in the blanket. She said, no, get out. 
who are you? I'm her husband. Yeah. And then he's like, well, I'm, what? He says, I'm, I'm the husband. That's my wife you've been grabbing. Now get out. And yep. like, he kind of bodily hauls. Yeah. He like, like bull Phil. rushes Phil out of the place. <laughs> yeah. To and which she then throws him out because that wasn't his place to do that. Uh-huh. And she gets mad at him about it. Justifiably so. Yeah. she didn't want anybody to know about this. And now you've just told her boyfriend that she's married. <laughs> That's not great. <laughs> So she throws him out. But yeah, the um, and you, the next, next morning, morning you hear Mrs. Bird beating him. Get out get with out. an umbrella, like he's like, go sleep on the subway, and all the, and and that's when you know Bronte like opens the door and she just immediately covers of like, honey, you should have knocked. And he's I didn't want to wake he's you. He's like, I I didn't want to wake you. And she's like, oh, I can't believe like you forgot your key again. And you know just all this. And then this Mrs. Bird just like it's been nothing but trouble since you two moved in here. Which oh god, she's awful. So they but, go right back in the apartment and 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 yeah, and he he tells her you know that he lost control just because of hearing the way that Phil was treating her, and he tells her like he's not right for you, and she says he knows more about people's feelings than you'll ever know. He says he thinks you don't have feelings, and then this is where it turns into like the fighting turns real, mm-hmm. and and she you know and he says you know Phil like he doesn't think you like, he thinks you don't have feelings at all, and then she she tells him it's like you snore and your manners are atrocious. If you think that's important, you're a snob. Well, you're a slob. You're overweight and disgusting. Well, you say that you're a rebel, but you're afraid of your father. My father's made something of his life. You live your life like you got it from a book. And she tells him like you're forty and you sleep in the park. Like, and Phil, like, it's like, you make love like vegetables. He says, you need a fuck. Which then she gets very incensed. And she says, that's the language of the gutter, which is where you came from. I am the gutter, yes. But you're like a plant, a, a cactus. And she, then she tells him, I once said I had no opinion of you, but now I do. I hate you. I really hate you. Good. Your first feeling. And then that's when they realize, oh, fuck, we got to go. We got the interview. (laughs) And they throw everything that they just said under the mat. And it never gets brought up again. And And now they take off running. I I love, I I don't know why, but in this moment, because like they're in the kitchen. And once again, like you had mentioned it being a very small kitchen. And they're so close. And again, like there's so much like there, but there's still so much movement happening here. And Mm -hmm. it's. It I can't like I can't quite describe just like how the the scene feels, but like it it feels kind of claustrophobic mm-hmm. and it but but it doesn't feel like volatile. It just it passionate is like the yeah. kind of if like a word for the it. INS, in an INS interview. I think he'd have been giving her what he said she needed. Yes, <laughs> but but then all of a sudden you know he looks at the clock and then they're like oh fuck and they gotta go and they're literally running there and and he like grabs he grabs like his dress shirt and then he's like fumbling for it and he's like oh do you have a and she's like here give it to me I've got it and like runs off for an yeah. iron or something like it's just it's suddenly it's like and they 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 flow together completely. Yeah, they absolutely do. Like they, but they, they literally um, have to run across the city because they're, there's a traffic <laughs> jam. Yeah, so they cut through Central Park because she knows the park. Yeah, and they're literally just just bolting. Like they are. Yeah, and finally they make it through. They get to the interview, and and then they're having to wait. <laughs> it is such a tiny little moment, but like while they like they get through the park. And they're sprinting along the like the city sidewalk again, and he um 
And like it's it's right before they like can get to a taxi like to find a, a yeah. taxi to call for and and like they are like sprinting full tilt and then he kind of slows down a little bit and like reaches behind mm-hmm. him to grab her hand and yeah. then like pull her along. It's a just split <laughs> second of a moment, but I love it. But then yeah, now they're having to wait at the end studying in the waiting room. <laughs> Sending in the way, and, and like he, you could see the like about to take a final panic sweat on his yes, on his and brow. he's you know he's flipping through his notebook and 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 <laughs> is he, your dad? I love this moment. Like <laughs> she asks him, she says, she says your father's name was it Bertrand or Bernard? Renee, I literally and the just, panic in his <laughs> eyes, the absolute panic, and, and then their number is called. Yeah, and they're taken into separate rooms and and this is where and again kind of going back to like the notes that he's been taking mm-hmm. he knows so much about her but the thing that he can that he just can never remember is the name of her face cream and it's monticello and uh-huh. he but it doesn't stick for some reason he just can't ever remember it yeah, and um, and so he misses that question. Like, yeah, but we see but like the, the back yeah, and forth I've, of them all. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got because I do love it because this is where we were talking about like the the argument they were having. It was they were building up to something, and mm-hmm. then it was cut short. And so now we have the realization of truth, where they're they're in separate interview rooms, and George is kind of looking through the the scrapbook that he made, and he's looking very lovingly at their quote unquote wedding day photo. But then um, Gorski comes in and says that there there's doubt that the marriage is bona fide, and so they have a number of detailed questions. And now it's cutting back and forth of like where they're talking about each other, and Bronte is sell, is telling um, Sheehan. He hums all the time. He's composing. He hasn't in a long time. He says he's not sensitive, but he is. He's a very sensitive man. He makes me laugh. And then George is telling Gorski, she's very kind to people. I'm not that way. I don't trust people. Back to Bronte. He's had a hard life. In a way, he hasn't learned to give, but he has so much to give. Back to George. She has peace. I don't have peace. He has passion. He eats life. And and then they start giving, you know, the details of one another. You know, she's saying, oh, he didn't have formal schooling. And, you know, he grew up in this place and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, and all these things. And and that's when, um, you know, asking, like, okay, like, what color is her toothbrush? Her toothbrush is green. And, and just all these very, mm-hmm. these detailed questions. And then, and then Gorski asks... What's the brand? What brand of face cream does she use? And he says, Mon- Monte Carlo, Monica, like so. Yeah. And then he's like, Monte, Monte, like, and he kind of he flub, but he flubs it. Yeah. And then he kind of and he's saying it to himself, and he says, he says that's the only answer I keep forgetting. And that's when you see Gorski, kind of he's kind of snaps to attention and he says, you remember all the other answers. 
and George, like he doesn't, he doesn't even sigh. Like there's no regret, even yeah. though like he literally got to the one yard line and fucked it up. Well, because if he hadn't said anything, not, I don't think that'd fail him by not knowing her face cream. Exactly. I've been married 13 years and I don't know what lotion my husband uses. <laughs> it's been sitting on our bathroom counter forever. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> right. But the, um, but just in that moment, like I said, he got mm-hmm. to the one yard line and he fucked it up. And, and so now like, but there isn't even a moment of like regret for himself. Yeah. All he says is it's not her fault. So please don't touch her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have them walking out of the INS office, like very awkwardly, very stilted. It went well. Yeah. It went great. Oh, yeah. Like, I think I was good. Oh, me too. And she says, you know, I think you're going to get what you want. The green card. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and. And so they're, you know, they're... She returns her wedding ring. Yeah. And they're they're about to part ways. And, you know, she says, oh, well, you know, I'll leave your things with Oscar. And, and give, you know, start to give him back the wedding ring. And, you know, talk about, oh, well, you know, I'll contact you. Like, once we hear something, then, you know, we can start divorce proceedings. And, and she says... Which, she, I, I believe nowadays, maybe not then, but you have to be married, like, two years. You can't just, like... Get divorced like within weeks. That that's that's what we heard in the proposal. (laughs) Well, no, there's I watched there's another thing I've watched with the same kind of thing. Like you have to be married like a few years. Like I'm sure, but (laughs) anyway, anyway. I mean, this was 1990. Who knows? Yeah, it may be different. You know, but she tells him, you know, good luck with your music, and he says, I hope you get your big trees. And and that's when you know she gives him back the ring, and you see George kind of watches her leave, and then she's really distracted on the way home. Mm -hmm. And then we see her sitting again. This is where like, we have no idea how much time has passed, Mm -hmm. but, um, she's now in a different outfit. Um, her, uh, she's a different outfit. Like there's, um, I I think it's like the sprinklers are on in the, the greenhouse or if it's raining or something again, Uh I'm not entirely sure. Um, cause I, st- I can't quite figure out the layout of this apartment, uh-uh. <laughs> but there's a knock on the door and she smiles and she jumps up and runs to the door and it's Oscar. And, um, and he tells her thinking, Oh, Mr. Foray has left a letter for you. Apparently his flight was delayed. His flight was delayed. And, um, and so she opens it she goes inside, she opens it and it's not a letter. It's actually sheet music it's and music, it's what he was humming the music that he's been humming and it says the the it's called for bronte mm-hmm. but on on the back of the music um he's written he's written a note and it says africa tuesday sherry the elephants have been restless again so restless i just can't sleep i would love to say a last goodbye before this next safari and that's all it says and so she goes to the africa cafe Mm-hmm. And, and in a mirror of their first interaction, they see each other through the window and they gaze at one another and she's looking at him very expectantly and he's looking at her sadly and uh-huh. it kind of hurt a little bit uh-huh. <laughs> watching it. Um, but then they hurry to like, they're just racing toward mm-hmm. one another and she's just straight up like no hesitation, like jumps into his arms, throws herself at him, throws yeah. herself into his arms and like they kiss and they're holding one another. But then over his shoulder, she sees Gorski mm-hmm. and he tells her, 
Monticello. I think I tried too hard. I blew it. And she said, why didn't you tell me? He said, it's all right. We made a deal. If I leave quickly, you get to keep your beautiful greenhouse. I don't care about the greenhouse. And he tells her, I'll write. I'll write every day. And the letters will always say the same thing. When are you coming, Sherry? And, and this is where, like, they, there's not, there's really not much left to the movie. But, like, there's, there's just something so good kind of about about this because like he kind of smiles and he touches her face and he starts to leave but then she just lets out this like soul rending scream of just like no and goes and once again like throws herself into his arms and they're they're um and after a minute she asks him if he still he says she says do you still have them and he takes the wedding rings out of his pocket and they put the rings on each other's fingers and he says, I do. And she says, so do I, they, they kiss and they hug and they laugh. And he just looks at her with such tenderness and it's so beautiful. But then they, they just kind of stare longingly at one another and like he gets in the car and you didn't actually see him get in the car. Oh yeah, true. The door opens. The and door the, opens. It, it ends with them just staring at each other. And then, the yeah. Open. And then roll credits. But I love the little, like, you're right. The, like the music kind of to end oh it. God, the music ruins it for me. I'm sorry. Like it was my first time watching it and I started laughing. Yes. I felt However, bad because I liked the actual moments. Yes. But for me, the music how, like the thing that stood out to me that like musically, it's a weird choice. Lyrically. It's great because the lyric, the repeated lyric in the song is everything is going to be all right someday. Yeah. And <laughs> there's also a weird moment. Cause that's, okay. So it's like for me, cause like the song changes when she's yes. running to him. Once again, I had Josh come in here. Cause to me, yeah. I flashed to like, I was watching a nineties TV show and a serial killer was about to strike. <laughs> it like, goes it had like, like a, this, a like, frantic, like, but it I'm, had this like, it's not even a sad beat. It had this like, I, I don't want to say ominous, but it's the best word. It felt like it's like one of them is about to get shot. Like it, it didn't feel like one of them is about to get on a plane. It no, felt like somebody's it, about to it die. Had, it had a, like, it had a dark melodrama to it. I guess. It, I just, it didn't yeah, no, work I, for me Yeah, no, I fully all. agree. And so, and like, I was like, I'd never seen the movie before. So like, I was just <laughs> yeah. like real thrown. Because the music, that particular piece of music starts when she enters the cafe and sits down. Mm -hmm. And then, this is just me because it's my mm -hmm. first time watching it. I felt like that moment goes on way too long of her sitting mm -hmm. in the cafe. Yeah, I agree. And like, like stuff like that. Like for me, it was just very like, okay. Okay. Yeah. And then they get together and, and the music changes mm -hmm. when they finally like are, are ki the second, like with the second no. But the thing that made me laugh with the music, like it was, cause it was very sad. Like I liked the like, yeah. exchanging of rings. I liked all of the actual like mm -hmm. moments, but then when it flashes back to Gorski and whoever's driving the car, there was literally a dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, that's some, that's some good editing. Not really, but man, that was hilarious to me. Yeah. I didn't like, think about that. Because, like, I liked, like, like I said, I liked, yeah. liked the actual action. Mm -hmm. I, it was, and, and this, that's, that song itself is not too bad right there. Mm -hmm. it, it, the, the, the dunt done at the wrong moment. Right. Could, could, could the, ruin the scene, see, man. I, I didn't notice that. I watched the ending twice, though, because I watched it and then I went, Josh, Josh, tell me I'm not crazy. Because am <laughs> right. I just crazy? Like, was I reading not enough into this or was I just in a weird headspace? I, th and, I yeah. think, 
I think I didn't like mm-hmm. read too much into it just because like despite the fact that normally like music kind of can make or break a moment for me in something uh-huh. I also just grew up watching a lot of real shitty 80s movies and that's fair and this is, and so, and this is late 80s early 90s yeah and it is painfully late 80s early 90s like yeah that kind of like a like Honest- adult movie <laughs> yeah it yeah it it's a weird choice and like, but be, I get what it was do. Like, I understand it. I don't necessarily agree with the yeah, choice yeah. because because what it is, it's trying to keep up this this so called like drumming motif that like never actually pays off. That's that's yes. my issue. I think with like the whole thing is there's these it's, motifs that go nowhere that like could have been what really it is, interesting. It's like it's something that was supposed like that could have been like a subtle undercurrent. But with, like, the random things that Mrs. Bird says and then just other stuff, that, like, and the, you know, oh, he doesn't play drums, does he, you know, during the committee yeah. interview. It's like, okay, we're laying the groundwork for something. Hint, hint. Like, yeah, it just. Okay, like, you could have left it alone and not said anything and it would have been fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because I, it's, but to be fair, <laughs> Subtlety is not like like really prominent in any like late eighties, yeah. early nineties movies. Also, I was wildly aware of the fact they knew each other for two days. <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. And, and I don't probably because I've seen the proposal. I struggle to buy the he's having to be deported. At, even now that they, it's completely obvious that they're they are actually married and they're going to stay married somehow. And but yeah, like like I wanted that like last minute reprieve of Gorski going, well, let's reevaluate or something like because it just didn't feel complete and open ended. Yeah, like this is very open ended, and that's okay in this particular type of movie. It's also very much that time period. I Mm -hmm. think the way that it ends. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just wanted more. Like I wanted something to like. Mm-hmm. Like jump five years and they're back together or so. Like I just not even they're back together. I just wanted just like or like an ending shot of her stepping off a plane in France or, or even yeah. like his music got published or I want something. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I want something to complete one of the arcs in the story, please, because none of the arcs are completed. <laughs> Nobody gets a completed story arc in this. Where yeah. is she going to go live now? Because she ain't got no husband no more. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just want a completed story arc. <laughs> but I want to see her dump Phil. That would be a completed story arc. I just, I felt yeah. like, I felt like there are too many ends left dangling. Like, I, I'm okay with an open ending, but you got to give me something. Yeah. But again, I'm okay with it because mostly the, like, the, this movie is about their marriage and their, re- their relationship. That's true, yeah. And so, but there's also like supposed to be this, this thing of they changed each other. Cause now she doesn't care. Like her, her walls have come down a little cause she's let mm-hmm. him in and cause she doesn't care about the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Like that one line. I just, I felt like it wasn't complete. Like I felt like this was the first edit mm-hmm. and maybe we need some reshoots here and there to like <laughs> fix it. I don't know. Give me the Snyder cut. I don't know. Fuck you. Just kidding. Fuck I never you. ever want the Snyder cut of anything again. But, but my point is like, I just felt like it needed, there was yeah. something missing that would have made this a more complete piece for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. 
I get it. Okay. Like, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with I mean, you in any way. It just, for me, having seen this movie, yeah. like I've seen this movie multiple times. So it's like, I knew what to expect. I knew how it ended. Exactly. Yeah. And also, but also for me, like I take this movie like for what it is and yeah, not yeah. like, like, okay, it's supposed to be, it's a, it's a very early nineties romance movie. I'm like, it's, it's not Shakespeare. It's not. Yeah. Well, I wasn't looking for like, that. But... Yeah, I know. It just. It's like you know, but to be fair, it's yeah. Sometimes I didn't know what I was getting into going into. I, it either. I will. I will say, having rewatched it, like I was telling my mom last night because she asked what we were recording. So yeah, we're talking about Green Card. It's like it. It came out in 1990. I'm expecting it to be in like intensely problematic, and it really wasn't. No, no, it really wasn't. That's true. It was like it that. Wasn't problematic. That that did surprise me, but like, but you know, we. We also have the misfortune of like we've we've been in our more like modern lives. We've also had things like the proposal, which yeah. tell like the same story but much better. Yeah. Well, and and because I mean, as as good as Andy McDowell and Gerard Depardieu are, they're not the comedians that Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock are. But see, that's the thing. I, this movie's not meant to be a comedy. But it places it feels like it's supposed to be, and then in place like I felt like there was some tone problems with the movie too. The, like my biggest thing was I think there was some pacing issues. Like I 100 percent agree. Like I think it was too long for what it was. I agree. So that that and the music were like my big. Like I was like oh, <laughs> no, <God."> I <laughs> like rewatching it more critically. Yeah. Like I said, I like I agree. There are some pacing yeah. problems. Like it's definitely too long in places, and and there is there is a tonal shift. However, like I think like back in the like with 90s movies you didn't necessarily have uh, there you had kind of specialist actors in that like okay yes okay if we're if we're having if there's going to be a comedic female lead it is going to be it's it's going to be lily tomlin or it's going to be goldie hawn or uh, you know like maybe bet midler you know somebody (laughs) like that it's going to be a very specific actress like and so then you have like if you're if you're going for something like vaguely romantic, you have Andy McDowell. And like you have Andy McDowell to play your you have Andy McDowell to play your leading lady so that she can balance mm-hmm. the the antics of the male figure. Because like that's that's mm-hmm. that's exactly who she is in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. And and that's exactly what she is in Groundhog Day. Which I've not seen. So. Yeah. Um, and I, oh God, she's that in something else too. But yeah, yeah. but back then you did yeah. there, there, it's not like now where you know, like I mean, she did lead a Hallmark series for like seven years yeah. or something. It, cause that's the thing is like back then it's like you had like everybody was kind of pigeonholed into certain yeah. things. It's like, and like if you had somebody break the mold, it was usually a male actor. That's fair. Yeah. And so that's where you have Robin Williams doing dramatic things. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, like, and then you get Jim Carrey doing dramatic stuff. And so now female actresses are kind of the, um, cause I mean like, good Lord, it took how long for Meryl Streep to really do like comedy. Yeah. And she's so funny. And she's hysterical. Um, but yeah, you didn't get, like especially not in America. Yeah. Like across the pond, it's a bit different. Well, like, that's with... there's only about twelve actors. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you're not completely wrong. But yeah, that that was just 
kind of the case of, mm-hmm. you know, like you had your kind of. You have like your Maggie Smiths who can do everything. Yeah. And to. see, so like, but nowadays you have your, you, you have your Nicole Kidman's and your, you yeah. know, like the Swiss army actresses. I just saw a trailer and I was actually going to talk to you about off mic. So I can do it on mic or off mic, but it's for a movie with Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish. Um, I forgot what it's called already. Oh, but, I know what you're talking about. But Billy, basically, like, they become friends through a random series of circumstances. He's a comedy writer. Yeah. He, I believe, has Alzheimer's. Okay. And she winds up becoming his caretaker. Mm-hmm. Like, they become friends. Yeah. And Josh and I, Josh was watching the trailer with me, or he was in the room and I was watching it. And, and it's the thing we talk about the most, mm-hmm. that comedians, male or female, deliver the best drama. Mm-hmm. Like they, for us, like we've talked about that on here, I know, yeah. cause with Matthew Perry and stuff, mm-hmm. but like, I, I feel like maybe Andy McDowell is just like the romance, like version yeah. of that in some ways. Like, like oh, if absolutely. you want like soft romance, Andy McDowell is your, like, like I watched like three or four episodes of Cedar Cove, which was the, mm-hmm. the Hallmark show she did. Bruce Boxleitner showed up at some point. So I, I tried know. to start it and I couldn't get through it. Yeah. It was, it was, it was like a modern day when calls the heart. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> um, but anyway, but yeah, so like I know that like Amitabh has that and like Gerard Depardieu is considered like like a very romantic actor in certain in, in he's, certain things. Yeah. I it's just I don't know it didn't I wanted this movie ticks all my boxes. It should a hundred percent work for me, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like I want it to, just doesn't. I this is because you you know like you and I have had the conversation many times about like it's like I found this fic. And I read the summary and I was all in. And then I started reading it and it was shit. <laughs> and so now I want to take that idea and do it better. <laughs> <laughs> like that. You and I, have, we have texted each other that so many it times. Is, it is true. That has definitely and happened. so, you know, it's like, oh yeah, this, oh, this, this summary is exactly what I want. Like then you, like the first paragraph, you're like, this was clearly written by an 11 year old. Yeah. 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 And like this movie has things like that where there are moments where that I think are brilliant. Exactly. Like the pictures. The picture moment is one of those brilliant moments in this thing where they're doing the fake pictures and the, the letters. Yes. I loved that moment. I, like I, I genuinely mm-hmm. loved everything about that moment. And I, <laughs> and, and the poem, the poem was moving. Like oh that, God. Yeah. That scene was moving. It's, this is one of the, like, I think had it been in like slightly defter hands, mm-hmm. like, and maybe if Peter Weir hadn't written it. Yeah. Cause I, it's just one of those like, or he'd give it to a good. friend to give another pass on. Yes. Like, Cause he, to Carrie Fisher to give it a pass and then. <laughs> She could do no wrong back then. Yeah. So, well, I mean, no wrong writing. There yeah. was lots of other things. There she was, was lots, so many things she, she did wrong. She shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> but yeah, I like. I don't know. Like, I I don't necessarily have like as many problems with this movie just mm-hmm. because I'm like, ah, whatever. I'm like, it's an early '90s romance yeah, movie. And, and so you've, you've seen it. Since I've, you yes, were a kid. I've I've seen that, it. Yeah. That, I think I think that colors it a lot too. Like, mm-hmm. there are movies that I've seen since I was a kid that I know. I know are bad. I am oh, well I know. aware. We, we've talked about Puss no, no, no. Boots in the pirate I, movie. I know. I used to love the movie. Okay. And you're going to judge me and it's okay. I used to love the movie. I love trouble, which is a horrible Nick, Nick Nolte and Julia Roberts. <laughs> no, dude, I, I horrible movie. It's that's one of horrible. That's one of those like it used to be like on repeat and like I would watch it. I remember nothing about it. I remember every second of it because oh, as a young teenager, 
I loved it. And yeah. then I, number one, found out how trash Nick Nolte is and how awful he was to her <laughs> in that movie. And then watching it again, like, I mean, I was probably uh, 17 when I watched mm-hmm. it again. And I went, oh, yeah. this isn't as good as that. And it's that, it's that kind it, of yeah. same, like, yeah, I, there are yeah. certain movies. like, But I still remember I love Trouble Fondly, even knowing it is a garbage fire mm-hmm. away movie. Now, oh yeah, I still remember it very fondly. The, well, Puss the, in Boots is a <laughs> masterpiece, and you better respect Chris Walken singing. But anyway, friendship over. No, <laughs> you, say about listeners, the you heard it here. This is the last podcast. This is for the Couch last Buddies. episode of the podcast. No, <laughs> this, oh. this, like after seventeen years, this is what drives us apart. This is what drives us apart is my love of Puss in Boots. <laughs> At least I didn't say the pirate movie because that one that one's legit bad too. No, but oh. the um, no, I will say like this this like my my final sale of this movie is that yes, I, there is a little bit of nostalgia for me, but like rewatching it now, I'm like I see it more as the like like this is the kind of thing that now I'm like okay, I want to take this premise and run with it elsewhere like uh-huh. like you gave me a good it, it to me like this movie like it feels like a prompt like a creative prompt mm-hmm. in some yeah. way of like this is the setup and now like make make it your own let's do something let's with do it. Yeah, something let's, with it yeah. and so uh, but yeah like i i would love to see because like the proposal is great and yes like but it's pro- very different yeah it's very different and like the because pro- one it, they it does no- kind of feel like a variation of this though it does absolutely. even down to like the tattoo conversation yes. and anyway sorry no that's <laughs> no no you're fine but i just was gonna say like the difference is like that one was made to be a comedy yes green card is not it's meant to just be a drama for lack of a better word mm-hmm. and so like i would like i would actually like to see like a modern day remake with this premise like mm-hmm. not a comedy and like maybe like let's flesh it out in better ways yeah but absolutely yeah, yeah, anyway yeah. do you have anything else to add darling oh well we didn't give a rating oh we didn't that's right i was so distracted by other things sorry puss in boots <laughs> derailed me <laughs> so what do you rate this it's movie? like where are the nerf guns this is for... <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have a nerf war we we're gonna have a battle what do you what do you rate it <sighs> i struggle because i don't think it's a bad movie mm-hmm. i just don't it wasn't necessarily for me mm-hmm. so i'm i i don't I'm going to say a 275. Okay, I'm giving it a 3.5. Yeah, I like I debated about a 3, but it like it's not one I'm going to watch again. Mm-hmm. I I just I wanted it to be really good and I think I was disappointed in it and maybe that's the other side Could of the be. coin. I, I honestly the music throughout the movie really <laughs> threw me off. Like real bad because that drum motif comes back repeatedly. Yeah, in places that I'm real confused oh, why yeah, it's yeah. there and 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 yeah, it's, it just didn't it's work completely barmy. Like yeah. it it makes no sense. I but I too. <laughs> I know I understand. We like, don't usually I, disagree at all. So <laughs> so this is like a like a weird thing. But yeah. So. But anyway, uh, I guess that will get it for this episode of Couch Buddies. As always, we thank you so very much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Couch Buddies, why not leave us a rating and review over on iTunes? And while you're at it, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us by searching on social media. We're Couch Buddies Pod on Twitter, on Tumblr at couchbuddies.tumblr.com, and you can email us at couchbuddiespod at gmail.com.